Welcome to season three of Fit to Be Radio. The goal of this season is to dive deep into real life fitness applications, exploring how exercise and core strength play out in situations we all face every day. You should know that Fit to Be Radio is a production of Fit to Be Studio, an online family friendly workout portal which specializes in home workouts and e courses for postpartum women of all ages. So, hey, strap on your sneakers and take us for a walk while we talk, or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch while you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, welcome. It is just me today with my amazing guest, Dr. Christina Troutman who happens to be my very own pelvic floor therapist. So Chris decided that we would be fine on our own for this one. <laughs> he usually joins us, uh, but you know, he, we, it's fine. We've got a lot to talk about. And I thought it'd be great to do a show with Dr. Christina and get real and honest about what my experience was and um, what we went through together. So, Dr. Christina, where are you coming to us from? Hello, I'm in Philida, um, so West Vancouver, Washington. Um, I'm at my clinic this morning, so it's really quiet um, right now, which is nice. Um, so yeah, so I'm here at the clinic before I see patients this morning. Nice, <laughs> nice. And thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I, I absolutely. You being here. I'm just like mm, 20 minutes north of you, which is why you ended up being my therapist. All right. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm up in Battleground, Washington, and um, it's, you know, probably same for you. It's kind of cloudy this morning, even though it is almost July. Actually, it's sunny here. Well, really? Ooh, that means it might be sunny here in like 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just became sunny just in like the last like 10 minutes. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. It's supposed to be nice today. <clears throat> okay. All right. I mean, I love me some rain. Talk to me at the end of July and I will be like, bring back the rain. <laughs> right. Um, but right now I'm looking forward to sun. I need to dry out more. Yeah. It was a long winter. Yeah. So tell us how you got into the pelvic floor. Like how did that become your specialty? Um, well, it sort of happened out of my own kind of experience. So um, I started having pelvic floor dysfunction really early on in life, um, about seven years old, started leaking um, pretty significantly. So um, basically laughing, coughing, sneezing, I would just pee my pants and not just like a little bit like my entire bladder. Um, mm -hmm. And so starting early, I just knew that there was obviously something not right. But Growing up in Billings, Montana, there's not a whole lot of support in that arena. And so I kind of just continued on and then got my period at 13 at a basketball camp away from home. Yay. Another that trauma experience. Good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and couldn't insert a tampon at all. Like I just, there was like no hole. And so I... Um, then, you know, just wore pads for a long time, but like was always, you know, asking my sister and my mom, like, hey, how, how do you insert these? How do you put these in? Like, I can't, I can't do it. And so finally they took me in because um, I had really, really bad periods as well. So lots of like vomiting and like cramping and to the point of where I would wow. pass out and all kinds of like pain. So obviously we knew that there was some things going on with my reproductive system with my pelvic floor. And so I went into a gynecologist, I think I was probably at the age of like 15, 16 now. Um, so I've been dealing with pelvic floor issues, you know, since seven. 
So there's lots of compensations that had developed. My nervous system was pretty much in fight or flight, I think, all the time. Um, but she was basically like, yes, you have extremely tight pelvic floor. It's why you're leaking. It's why you're constipated. It's why, you know, you're having all these issues. You know, there's most likely you probably have endometriosis. You know, you just need to have a baby and it'll be all, all better. Just have a baby and you'll, you'll be fine. Oh, so, my face. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> my jaw just dropped. I wasn't a promiscuous teenager and didn't go and have a baby um, at 15. That's terrible um, advice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, pretty bad. So my mom was obviously really upset about that, but we didn't really know what to do because we don't, we think like the OB is like supposed to tell us exactly what to do in this arena. Like who else do we see if we don't yeah. see an OB and they're not giving us what we want? I guess we just live with it. Right. So <clears throat> then I went to college at University of Portland and just had a really like chance encounter with this one girl who was working at a physical therapy clinic and I needed a job as a physical therapy aide. Um, and that was like part of my um, like college. I got a lot of like um, grants and different loans and stuff through college, but I had to work like a certain amount of hours to do that. And so I needed some extra hours and she's like, why don't you take my job at this PT clinic? Well, it turns out the owner was a women's health PT. And so I was working there for a while and she just kind of started noticing some things with me and finally was like, do you have pelvic floor issues? And I was like, I don't know, but this is all the stuff I deal with. And she's like, yes, you do. And so <laughs> she started treating me and I mean, it took a long time. It probably took on and off about five years. So through PT school as well. Um, but she started treating me and I started seeing this like huge change, huge release. My nervous system started to relax. The constipation was improving. The leaking was improving, which was pretty much what well, that was a bit a, big part of, you know, my, my life, right. Um, I was a huge, was a big athlete. And so that was played into a lot of things. Um, but obviously the pelvic pain too. So I finally was able to insert tampons. I was finally able to relax my pelvic floor. So I really started out of that. And I think I was probably in my <clears throat> second year of PT school and it just kind of like, okay, this is what I need to do. Like I knew I wanted to be a physical therapist and before going to PT school, I didn't, 100% know about women's health until, you know, I really started to um, be treated and kind of seeing what she could do. And so at that point, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so I actually worked for her as soon as I graduated. And she went on maternity leave. And like the day I got my job. And so we knew this was happening, obviously. And so I started taking women's health classes during physical therapy school. So I was also going to school like full time. And then at night I would be taking these classes and on the weekends going to these women's health classes. So that by the time I took this job, I could take over all her patients. So it was a little intense, but, um, but yeah, so I kind of got thrown right into it and rest is history. Yeah. I've been doing it now 13 years and I love it and yeah, love helping people, especially in the pregnancy postpartum world. That's sort of where I um, my main passion is now probably because after going through it myself, but, um, yeah, I just like to start to treat some of the problems kind of where, where a lot of times where they start for me, it was a lot earlier, but, um, for most people, I would say a lot of these issues start around pregnancy. So, yeah, so yeah, that's my little story. Well, I'm, I'm not glad that, that you went through all that. <laughs> 
Um, but at the same time, I am grateful that you took all that and turned it into something that would help other women because you certainly helped me this last winter. Yay. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you said the thing about having a baby, not only did it shock me just on your behalf, but I was also told that and I forgot about it until just now um, when I was having really bad cramps and other PMS symptoms in college. And I went to a doctor where I was attending school at Oregon State University in Corvallis. And they also said, well, when you have a baby, it'll get better. Like they didn't say go have a baby, but it was the same mentality of you just got to grin and bear it until you have kids, yeah. then it will probably get better. Yeah. And for me, it actually, it actually did uh, just in terms Same of the really bad cramps I was having. Right. Yeah. Um, I hate to say it, but it did get a lot better after I had yeah. But like, and I think a lot of that mentality for me was you have such a tight pelvic floor that if you have a baby, that baby is going to hopefully lengthen those muscles and open up your pelvic floor kind of forcefully so that right. you can now be at a normal resting tone, which technically kind of happened, but um, it I wouldn't have been able to have a successful pregnancy and labor without that pelvic floor PT prior, mm -hmm. you know, and I think if she would have sent me to a pelvic PT, which I didn't even know if they existed in Billings at the time, but, or even in Montana at the time. Right. Um, but um, that would have been the appropriate referral, right? Instead of saying, oh, you just need to have a baby at 15 years old. How about <laughs> thinking about what do I, what's the, the thought process behind having a baby, right? In terms of your menstrual cycles, your hormones, the relaxing your pelvic floor. How about we just treat the problem? Instead mm -hmm. of giving you something like if I actually, I mean, life changing, right? If I would have right. listened to her yeah. advice. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, it actually did really help, which um, I hate to give her that credit, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I totally agree with that. <clears throat> and just what you said about like putting OBGYNs up on this pedestal because they're right. these doctors and surgeons and who knows better than them. Well, I know right. a lot of people at this point in my career, um, I can count on one hand how many clients have told me that their OBGYN gave them good advice and was supportive and was not demeaning and was not discouraging and referred them to a pelvic floor therapist and did those things. Right. The rest of the stories I hear, and I hear thousands of them over the last 13 years I've been running fit to be literally thousands in my forum and in client calls. <clears throat> are so discouraging. And um, wow. I'm glad that just a huge, huge gap in care. Oh, yeah. Because when I look at what do OBGYNs do, like in terms of their responsibilities, it's too much. It's way too much. You know, they're seeing prenatal clients, right? They're delivering babies, they're doing surgeries, you know, different endometriosis surgeries, they're doing um, hysterectomies, yeah. they're seeing, um, you know, menopausal women, they're seeing kids, they're seeing teenagers. So them, you know, being in the hospital, them being in the clinic, doing surgeries, it's just way too much. And so when you go in there and you say, hey, something's wrong, like I'm not right. And they look and there's no big red flags to them. It's like, you're not on my, like, no offense, but you're not on my priority yeah. list. You know, I have a severe endometrial surgery in five minutes that I need to go attend to. And so your little pelvic pain that you're dealing with, 
like deal with it kind of a thing because I just don't think they have yeah, the class of line. <laughs> they don't have the capability to <clears throat> even to refer out sometimes I think is really hard for them. <clears throat> just because they don't have the the bandwidth to know all the different providers in their area. Like they don't have the time and really the energy to be able to do that, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of part of it. And so that's where I feel like pelvic PT is like, if they could just refer out, right? Mm-hmm. If those OBs could just refer out to these pelvic PTs, um, because we could be that gap, right? Yeah. And it doesn't <clears> cost them anything. Send them to someone who can, right? Yeah. Um, right. There's all these women that are in this gap of, we're not sick, but we're not well either, right? right? right. We don't right. have cancer, but we also are peeing our pants or are having constipation or having pain with sex. And technically there's nothing severely wrong in terms of a surgery, but we're not also well either. And so, but making sure those people get listened to and they feel validated and they feel like something, you know, that they have is truly a a problem and something that can be addressed is, is huge. And I feel like that's just a huge, you know, piece that's lacking. Right. It and is. it's getting better. I feel like it's getting better. But uh, I mean, every patient that comes in here is like, how, why didn't I know about you sooner? I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to get it out there, but it needs, it needs a lot more, you know, a yeah. lot more, you know, more, more to be in the mainstream. And it's just not yet. <clears throat> every doctor knew one physical therapist yeah. in their area. It would not cost them a penny. It would not take them extra time. It would not even take their client because they're not helping these clients. They're just sending them home empty-handed and hopeless. Instead, yeah. they could say, "Here is a script, you know, prescription." And if they write that really quick, then the insurance is more likely to cover it. Like, "Hey, I'm I'm prescribing physical therapy for you," right? Or I'm right. even just recommending. There's a place just ten minutes over there. Give yeah. them a call. I mean, how? Right. Or they could even have little cards. Here's a card. Here's who I recommend. It would it's less time than sitting there puzzling out or giving bad advice. Right. And it would actually probably keep more patients, right? Like I would be referring back to them. I would be helping them be more successful with their patients. Um, Instead, these patients have to go on Google, you know, they have to like look up their symptoms, see who maybe is in the area. They don't know that person because they haven't been referred to that person. So they don't know their credibility. Right. And so they're walking in here like, okay, hopefully she's nice and like supportive (laughs) and knows what she's doing. You know, like there's this like kind of, there's a little bit of fear for a lot of these patients walking in because it's a really intimate private thing and to not really have, okay, like I saw her website and I saw her Instagram. She looks okay. Like hopefully this is fine. Instead of having a doctor that you trust, giving them a referral to come see me, like you absolutely are just going to go sign up for that, right? You're not yeah. going to like have to waver and figure out whether that's a good idea or not. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot more work to be done for sure. Um, yes. Which is, it's. So then I think it starts at the, at the ground level. It's grassroots among us women. Really. Yeah. Among us as women and us as um, personal trainers and fitness specialists and physical therapists, we have to build that network. We have to be willing to talk about this. And women, you know, if you're listening to this and you have found a good pelvic floor therapist, 
find a way to shout that out. Go yeah, leave them a absolutely. review on Facebook. Go um, post on social media and just say, hey, I went to this amazing clinic. They're awesome. If you have any questions, let me know. Like if you're not willing to divulge your story, you don't have to. But just being willing to say, hey, had some stuff going on, friends. Yeah. Or, you know, messaging a couple of other friends that you know are dealing with stuff. Because we talk yeah. about it, right? Among ourselves. Right. We're like, oh, yeah, I laughed so hard I peed my pants. And we kind of just joke about it. But that's actually an opening to say, ha, oh, yeah, that's so funny. But by the way, I went and got help for that from this person who's local. And she fixed me up in a few visits, which that's what Dr. Christina did for me. And that's what I want to talk about more. So here's my question for you. <laughs> um, so let's pretend that you and I don't know me. Okay. Okay. But I mean, we do, but we, but we're going to pretend we don't for like the next 20 minutes. Okay. So, um, tell us about, and, 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 and Beth gives you permission to break confidentiality because, because for the purpose of the show, but within reason, obviously you're not going to be like, well, she, <laughs> right. You know? Okay. So tell us about this patient who presented to you. What was it? November, December? This, it was winter time. It, it was, was cold before time. then because I moved in this office in January and I think I only oh, saw you. Maybe it was October. So I think it was, yeah, kind of fall, fall, okay. winter. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, from your perspective, like what was I presenting with and what did you think and, and what was it like to treat me? So I really enjoy treating professionals, um, medical professionals who already have an awareness. They have um, an intuition about their body versus someone coming in and they have no idea kind of what's going on. They don't even know how to name their symptoms. You know, um, it's really fun to be able to do that because a lot of the work is already done, right? Like you already know, you know how to breathe pretty well. You know how to engage your core. You know how to engage pelvic floor. You know how to do a lot of these things. It's just putting the pieces together and fine tuning those pieces, which is really fun for me. Um, and so with you, um, so your main symptom you know, some urgent continence, um, that you're having. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of this came, um, after, um, doing some cold laser, right. Um, that you had done, um, for some medical stuff going on vaginally. Yeah. And full disclosure, yeah. um, what I, what I had dealt with was, um, I had gone through cryotherapy for, um, abnormal cells found on my cervix. And so there was the, there was precancerous cells. And so I was fighting cervical cancer. And so I went in and had a speculum inserted twice a week for eight weeks, um, for 15, 20 minutes at a time. And, and then right after that, I went into race walk season where I was pounding the pavement for six months. And then I went to see Dr. Christina. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, good, a mutual friend that I believe Mm -hmm. Kelly, come see me, right? Yes, yeah. yes. I was um, like, Kelly, who do I go see? And she said, uh, Dr. Christina. <laughs> so, you know, initially you came in with not crazy symptoms, right? Like I have some patients who have prolapsed for 20 years. They've been leaking for 30. They no longer have sex with their husband because it's painful around the opening. Like we, it wasn't that, right? It was right. right. 
these things are starting to happen. If I don't take care of it now, it's going to turn into something more. And I don't want that. I, I want to keep race walking. I want to, you know, keep being exercise or keep exercising, keep being active. Like I don't want this to limit me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, it was starting that, it's like my little check engine lights turning on of like, hmm, yeah. Hey, there's a little something going on here, a little imbalance. Why don't you go get it checked out? And that's really what we found right with her pelvic floor there was some imbalance going on, some muscles that were a little too tight, a little bit too weak. Um, And so we were just fine tuning how to coordinate her pelvic floor with her breath. Um, And we were also fine tuning that a little bit of getting her to do a little bit more of a 3D breath, breathing into her rib cage, breathing into her belly, breathing down into her pelvic floor versus just out into the belly or, you know, up into the rib cage or whatnot. Um, there's also some hip stuff going on because she is a race walker. Hips are very important and need to be very strong and stable. And they also need to be pretty balanced. And so there's some adductor kind of groin tightness that we found. And so doing some manual work on her hips really helped her pelvic floor to be able to do what it needed to do as well. And so, um, so yeah, it was really fun. I really enjoyed our sessions together because, um, it was, Hey, this is what's going on. This is where I'm feeling it. I'm not exactly sure how to treat it or what does that look like, but there you go. And you gave me those, those little puzzle puzzle pieces. And so, you know, after doing a postural assessment, checking your rib cage, checking your breathing, checking your abdominals, um, you know, there was a little kind of weakness in your connective tissue, um, mm-hmm. in your abdominal. So working on how to coordinate those deep core muscles a little bit better. Um, you had the big basics down, but just kind of fine tuning that a little bit and then bringing your pelvic floor in, in a way that was going to work on strength, but also balance, not doing a ton of kegels, but also not letting the pelvic floor just being completely relaxed. And so working on those things helped you to be able to not leak Mm-hmm. And to not um, have that urgency feeling as much from yep. where you had those treat that treatment done, it just had created a little bit more tone around the urethra and around certain parts of the pelvic floor. So we just kind of helped to relax that and lengthen that. And doing some manual therapy with your hips just kind of allowed us to balance things out and just create mm-hmm. more um, support and um, decreasing the impact, decreasing the pressure um, on your belly on your pelvic floor. Yeah. So. Um, it was actually really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, anytime I see a professional, it's really fun because I get to like, I get to ask them questions I can't really ask other patients, you know, um, in terms of like, are you feeling it here on your on your left, you know, hip flexor? Or is it more in the adductor? And most people are like, I don't know. Um, and so <laughs> be able to, um, to work with you to where you could pinpoint things for me and tell me exactly where you're feeling it and when you're feeling it and that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome because I knew that if Kelly referred you, you'd be amazing. And, you know, so I walk in there and I'm like, here's these pieces. And, you know, from my perspective, teaching the core and pelvic floor in fitness is one thing. Doing it and knowing how to coordinate my own pieces are vastly different. Right. I can make it, I can be a great model for other people. But when there is a trauma, as there was with me, to the pelvic floor, and then a lot of heavy workload to the pelvic floor, and I started to feel some heaviness and some new sensations um, 
even with me, it took me a good couple months to practice what I preach and to really connect those own dots in my own self and be like, wait, this isn't going away. And my regular stuff is not helping, you know, because I did my regular stuff of let's go back to some basics. Let's do some core breathing, but it wasn't feeling right. And so once I absorbed the fact that, okay, at the fitness level and at my own ability to self-treat, this isn't enough anymore. I needed help. And I'll never forget the one moment where um, you were working on me internally while also um, doing some inner thigh work on my left thigh. And, you know, you were mentioning some scar tissue. And then I mentioned, well, I had this groin injury also in high school from playing soccer and running cross country and just really overworking at the time. Too many things at once. And you're like, yeah, this is connected. <laughs> like all this scar tissue has just gotten married in here. <laughs> you said something <laughs> along those lines. And um, and there was a big light bulb moment. And then you showed me this one stretch that was very similar to another stretch I had been doing, but it was different. It was an inner thigh stretch with my foot up on something, but you had me rotate. So my adductors, my inner thighs were more open. Yeah. Um, by this time I had clothes on, by the way, for everybody who's listening. Just in case <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you had me turn my foot up, the foot that was on chair, um, elevated surface chair, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, whoop, like that was the stretch I needed. And it was just this little fine tuned tweak that you knew to make based on what you had felt with your hands, what you had seen with your eyes, where you knew my scar tissue was, where you could feel the tightness. That's not something that I could diagnose for myself. And I couldn't, I right. couldn't make that connection. You know, so just yesterday I was talking with a client who was like, well, but, but, you know, can't I just keep doing this myself? And I said, honey, <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of things I know and there's a lot of things, you know, but, but it's, it's like, it's like hiring a mechanic, you know, yeah. you, know yeah. you know, your car is broken, but you don't know what you're looking for underneath the hood. You don't know how to check all those fluids and look at all those wires and all of those cylinders and pistons. You can you try. Know? You can go. Yeah, yeah. It's not a very good angle either to look like we, we don't, you kind of look down. You, you can't see, <laughs> <laughs> even if you get a mirror, you're not like what? That's so good. like somebody That's a really good analogy. All this training. Um, that is, that is the gift. That is what we're paying yeah. for. That is you're paying for somebody else's perspective and expertise because it goes yeah. beyond what we have. And I am grateful because I was able to really address these things within three sessions. And so I went, I went once a month. I remember you saying that if, if I was maybe somebody different, you would have had me come like every two weeks, but because of yeah. Where I was at, you had me come once a month, which made it affordable. Um, yeah. And I always use your rate <laughs> as my litmus test for other people. My like, that's the barrier. Like my doctor charged this. Do not pay somebody else more than that out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> there, I had one lady who were trying to charge her like $3,000 for three visits. And I'm like, uh, no. Yeah, that's a lot. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you, it was like, it was like 400 was your, was your price for three visits or something like that. Yeah. It was somewhere in there. And I felt like that was really reasonable, you know? Yeah. So okay. yeah. Um, yeah. What are any other thoughts you have on, <laughs> on 
all of this? No, I think that was a really good analogy, me being, you know, the mechanic. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, when something goes wrong with their car, they notice something and they're like, okay, you know, let me ask my husband or let me like see, you know, who I know, my dad, you know, my dad is my person because um, he's a mechanic. Um, you know, this is going on, what do I do? And, you know, yeah. go on YouTube, check this out. And if that doesn't work, go to the mechanic. And I think that's kind of a cool thing of like, okay, let's feel our bodies, see what's going on. What symptoms do we have? See what information do we already know? Like, what do I know as a, you know, human? How do I fix something of these? And I think that's fine to try to do that, right? To see, okay, you know what? I think I need to give into Pilates. I think I need to start walking more. I think I need to start drinking more water. I think I need to start taking some magnesium, maybe help with my bowel movements. You know, some things that I already know that maybe I should be doing and just start doing those things and see how it goes. It's not going to be a life or death situation of like, you probably aren't going to harm your body by doing the wrong thing. Right. And so, but you know, and if those like DIY moments of you going on YouTube, essentially, and trying to fix your car, if that's not working, don't keep doing it, right? right? Don't keep letting that car slowly fail, right? Instead of go and, you know, find somebody to help you through that, right? So that does know that has the experience, um, and has, you know, like, it's going to be a lot faster if you see somebody mm-hmm. to help you do something than if you try to do it on your own. You have so yeah. many people. I'll never forget this one woman. Um, it was like my my first year out. And I kind of wish I could go back to all of my patients that I saw that first year. And be like, <laughs> actually, this is probably what you need. I feel um, the same way about my early fitness clients. Like, um, let's just. I take think that I gave everyone over. a piriformis stretch. I'm like, you, everyone needs this, right? Um, I take back all this woman who started leaking, and she went to her doctor, her OB, and they said you need to start doing Kegels. And she didn't talk about the kind of leaking she had or anything. They just said you need to do Kegels. So she thought a kegel was bearing down. That's all she knew about a kegel. And so she started bearing down um, several times a day. And so then her leaking is getting worse. And so she goes to this doctor and was like, hey, I am still leaking. He's like, you need to do more kegels. And you do like 300 a day. But nobody told her how. No one told her how. So she started bearing down 300 times a day. Eventually (gasps) created a cystocele bladder prolapse, a rectocele rectal prolapse and then she was pretty much continuously leaking like all day long so finally it goes back to the same doctor which i probably would have switched doctors at that point um but she went back to the same doctor and he's like all right i guess we gotta do surgery your kegels didn't work and so um they do surgery on her and he goes okay you really need to do your kegels and so she's <laughs> like okay so she has surgery for bladder and bowel prolapse and um significant surgery right and then starts bearing down and starts leaking more again. And finally, I don't know how she made it into her office. Um, so this was in Bethany area, Therapeutic Associates. And I was her first person and I assessed her and I asked her to do a Kegel for me so I could see naturally what is her what does her body want to do when I say those words. That's one of the first things I do is I ask to see kind of just what's their natural response. Yeah, I remember that. You asked me and- that she bears down and um i think she saw my eyes or saw something and i said no i want you to do a kegel where you're actually contracting and squeezing and she just started bawling and just started crying so hard and she was like i've been bearing down for eight years 
and no one told me how to do that. And so I started teaching her how to do a proper pelvic floor contraction with her breath, with her core, doing it, you know, isolated, doing it functionally. And she did really well. And I, you know, discharged her in a few months. Um, but yeah, it was so sad. It's like a little bit of if she would have seen someone who could have helped her with that, just that simple cue, you know, it would have been huge. But yeah, it was it's a sad story. And thankfully, we were able to improve things. But she went through a lot, you know, just because someone didn't show her how to do something correctly. But <clears throat> yeah, so I've, I mean, I've heard similar stories. I mean, it's they it's like they were oh, kegel, kegel. What is a kegel? <laughs> so and why do I need to do that? Yeah, yeah. really just refresh us. Like, what is a kegel? Tell us. So let me talk about this for a minute. So we have, you know, Dr. Kegel who came up with this what 1940s of this that the pelvic floor can contract, right? Mm -hmm. And that we should be strengthening the pelvic floor. That like any other muscle, we should be strengthening, especially for moms who are going through labor vaginally, right? Right. And so we have this huge pendulum swing towards everyone needs to do kegels, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Teenagers, moms, grandmas, everyone needs to be doing these like contractions. And there was these different protocols that people would be doing. It now has swung com almost completely to the other way, in my opinion, at least in the public floor world. A lot of people may not be aware of that. But now so many providers are like, no kegels, no, and no one should be doing kegels, like kegels are bad. I'm, you know, being from Montana, I'm a very like in the middle, I feel like common <laughs> sense person. And so I am all about like balance, right? Right, right. Not everyone needs to be doing kegels, but some people do, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. a kegel is in a way going to strengthen the pelvic floor to a place of normal resting tone so that we have good support on our organs. We have support around those sphincters. Um, so, but I never teach a kegel the way that maybe you see it on the internet mm -hmm. or whatnot. Um, so I'm always including some type of diaphragmatic breathing with right. a deep core um coordination mm -hmm. with it and so we're getting the whole cylinder we're getting the whole trunk working together yes. um instead of just isolating the pelvic floor and doing a ton of these contractions right um you know for a 97 year old who has a lot of leaking is super weak and has some dementia that might be the perfect exercise for her but probably not for you know, the 35 year old who wants to run and doing those just a ton of contractions is going to create more leaking for this person going to create more impact there. And so a lot of it is just really individualizing people's care and taking that person, right, really assessing them, looking at all the different things. And that's why going in to see a public PT is mm -hmm. so huge that you look online and, and I, I struggle with some of the online programs because of that, of not everyone is going to need that cue. In fact, they may need the opposite, but they have the exact symptom as someone else who does need that cue. You know, it just really depends on their alignment, their history, their, you know, what does their body respond to well. And so taking in all those factors is really important. And so for me, a lot of it is just is balance, right? Mm -hmm. um, we don't need to, I don't like the extremes of, 
oh, I'm going to cure you. I'm going to, this is going to go away like that. Right. Or right, right. Oh, you should never do this. If mm -hmm. someone comes to me with a hip replacement and says, I want to go hiking and their doctor says, no, there's no way anyone with a hip replacement can go hiking afterwards. I don't agree with that. Right. If you want right. to go hiking, and you support that hip and you support your pelvic floor and you do things to improve that and you maybe go not the hardest hikes in the world but you could do something I think yeah. that's important you know I don't think that we should be giving these extremes to people in, in either creating a ton of hope or, or none right or more fear right. um, but trying to look at it at a more balanced perspective yeah mm -hmm. and so yeah that's where I really feel like going to see somebody mm -hmm. so that they can really assess you from head to toe, you know, and make sure that you're doing all the right things. Yeah. In short, to summarize what you said, would you say that a true Kegel is an elevation, a lifting up of the pelvic floor, squeezing at the top, full relaxation at the bottom, like in a bit most basic sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a contraction. So if you think about any other muscle, right? Mm -hmm. The pelvic floor is not one muscle, it's 13 muscles. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know what textbook you look at. But so right. we have this basket of muscles, right, that is coming from a 3D perspective and lifting up like that. And then as we relax, coming back down, you know, if you look at your bicep, that's one muscle. And so if I want to strengthen my bicep, I'm going to generally shorten it and playing around with how I lengthen it or whatnot. But right. Same kind of thing with your pelvic floor. If we want to strengthen it, right, we want to make sure it can fully relax and it can fully contract, just like you would do with your bicep. We want to make sure it can fully lengthen and then fully contract. Um, it's the exact same component. It's just because now we have organs in that area, yeah. we've got sphincters, we've got other things going on. It's your centermost muscle. How many different things kind of connect to that same area? It just, there's a little bit more complexities to it because of that. Yeah. But yes, you are correct. It is essentially a lift and release. Recently, I heard another physical therapist say that there's more like 27 muscles in that area. And I was like, are they looking at it like bilaterally when they say that? Are they also are they also viewing maybe the glutes and the transverse? Yeah, I would say that they're looking the at the floor? external rotators of the hip as okay. well. There's one external rotator of the hip that also inserts into the pelvic floor called the obturator internus, which is yeah, just yeah. right below the piriformis. Um, so some people view that as a pelvic floor muscle. Some people view that as a hip muscle. It really just kind of depends on who you talk to. Yeah. But um, yeah. But so the actual trampoline is like 13. Uh, the actual trampoline, like the most base bottom layer, there's 13 in there. Yeah. If we're looking at the three layers of the pelvic floor, you know, the first layer, second layer, third layer, there's about 13 muscles there. Mm -hmm. Another thing you said when I was going through my therapy with you was that um, I was remarking about how I couldn't feel it as much around my urethra, you know, the, the, the P muscle area. And you're like, well, because that muscle is smaller and you got out your little pelvic model. And it's, I, I have my own pelvic model, right? And right. I have looked at this thing. I have taught classes. <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, oh, two muscles around the urethra and so it's every time I, I 
I cue someone on contracting around that urethra for whatever reason, they're always like, oh, I can't really feel that as well as the rectum. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't, right? We have these two tiny little muscles. One is just this little compressor muscle that surrounds the urethra versus if you think about all the levator ani muscles that are surround the rectum, those deep, thick muscles down there, you're going to feel that so much more in your rectum than you will in your urethra. And I think, to be honest, that's probably why just we don't have as much of a sensory perception of the anterior pelvic floor, you know, around the um, around the bladder, around the vaginal opening versus we do rectally, right? We just have, we, there's just more muscle there. And so it definitely makes sense. What do you think of um, the cue that a lot of trainers give? I, it's one I don't give in my videos. I will give it privately to somebody of leaning forward when they're jumping or, doing other activities where there might be impact and they're feeling some stress with their pelvic floor, leaning forward so they can feel their anterior front pelvic floor and to prevent less leaks. Like, what do you think of that cue? I think it depends. I'm going to probably say it depends on every question you ask me when it comes to pelvic floor. <laughs> right? because it depends on what they need, right? And yeah. it depends on, do they have, is their pelvis in neutral or do they have a lot of lordosis? Do they have a tucked bum? Do they have hyperextended knees? Do they have pronated feet? It really depends on all those factors. And it might not be a great cue to just give everybody like, hey, you're having pelvic floor problems. Go ahead and lean forward. No, but when we're looking at someone running, right, I do usually give a little bit of a lean cue, leaning from the feet, right, because that's going to help stack your rib cage over pelvis as you're running, which we really want. So that's going to decrease the bounce, right, and the impact that's being pushed down onto the pelvic floor. So I do usually recommend that, you know, if we're talking about running, um, if, you know, if I'm encouraged, if we're going through like box jumps and different plyometric stuff with patients, I would say an anterior lean is not a bad cue for a lot of people, but it would just sort of depend on, you know, if they have a cystocele bladder prolapse, I probably wouldn't be giving that to them. You know, we don't want to create more pressure there if they don't know how to actively engage that area. So it just, it, it really does kind of depend on other factors, but it's not a bad cue. I just don't think we can think of it as, oh, this works for every single person I see, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, I have one more question and then we're going to wrap up because I'm like, okay, ask her my questions. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm getting more and more and more clients that are being told just have surgery, right? But that there's a lot of different kinds of surgery out there for prolapse. And I'm like, hey, maybe investigate, a, you know, working with a pelvic floor therapist first, which more and yeah. more insurance companies won't cover surgery unless they have done that. Right. Um, and look at pessaries. But if you had a client who needed surgery and you thought they did need surgery for for pelvic floor concerns. What is the current gold standard in your mind for the type of surgery? Like mesh, hysterectomy, like really, and it's, it's probably, it depends, right? But yeah. still, <laughs> I, I have a hard time with this. People who are told to get a hysterectomy for a prolapse. Yeah. Um, when, you know, generally I see more prolapse of the other organs with a hysterectomy, right? You take away a lot of these organs support ligaments, and we're going to see a lot more pressure on those organs. And so anyone who does get a hysterectomy, I encourage to make sure you come in and get some pelvic floor work done, because most likely in the next few years, there's going to be a weakening there. Um, and it really depends on the surgeon and where they, you know, attach, you know, the and create that. Um, and a lot of times it's on the right side because a lot of those surgeons are right-handed. So where they, they, attach the, where they attach the vagina. 
yeah and that's where they have just have more adhesions and stuff like that but um I don't, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a gold standard. I would just make sure you feel like you're thoroughly assessed and we're really treating the problem. A lot of times doctors would be like, well, let's do this mesh and it will help your stress incontinence. I'm like, well, that actually doesn't actually treat that, that specific problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and anytime we're bringing in something that's not our health, our human tissue into the body, we have to, I feel like take account of is, could this be something that gets infected down the road? Could this be something that starts to adhere and basically grow into my muscles, you know, is this something that I really want in my body? Or could I work a little bit harder at making my natural muscles do what it needs to do and maybe look at injections, or maybe look at something else that could give me that support. So I just think a lot of research and not just Google research, but going in and talking to different professionals and really getting a good opinion and go twice, you know, go two, three times. And especially if you go to someone, you're like, I'm not getting a good feeling about that. I just, my intuition is telling me I don't to not do this, go see someone else, even if it's in their same, you know, career, because I do really feel like we're not all created equal, right? We haven't all gone through the same continuing ed. We haven't all had the same experiences. And so making sure that you really feel good about that. And the gold standard for one person is going to be different than it is for another. You know, I have, I have had patients, you know, who come in with a grade two prolapse and they're like, I'm just sick of doing strengthening. I'm sick of having to think about this every moment of the day. I just want the surgery so that I can move on with my life. Mm -hmm. And that person needs to have the surgery, right? Like um, if it's affecting their you know, mental health <laughs> and yeah. they yeah. know that these muscles can get there, it's just so much work for them, then maybe that surgery would help them. And then we do some of the strengthening afterwards so that we can maintain it and, and keep it there versus another person who has a really mild prolapse who doesn't need a surgery, who knows that they can do the strengthening and they just need to put some of the work into it. Um, you know, that's, it just kind of depends on where, where they're coming from. Yeah. But yeah. I would just say do the research for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, just holding space for the people who are listening, going, I'm tired of researching and I'm tired and I don't, and I'm finding, I'm not finding, well, that might put you in the, the place of the person she mentioned where you need to find a professional who will really listen and just help you take that. And if not, email me. Yeah. <laughs> email yeah. me and I will help you. Even if you're not local, like I will send, I have so many resources around the U S like I could help just help you kind of fine tune and figure out kind of what's the best. That's awesome. So where can they reach you? Where can people reach you? So probably the easiest is my email, which is, um, the PF place at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram public floor place. Which Welcome to message me there. Um, and yeah, then I'm local here in Vancouver too. And okay. I have a website, thepublicfloorplace.com um, to schedule consults or online. Um, I have some, a few courses online and stuff too. Yeah. You guys make sure you reach out to Dr. Christina. She has a wealth of knowledge. She's been an amazing resource for me. I've referred so many people to her. Thank you, Beth. Um, I've referred you to her. If you're listening and I've referred you to her and you have not gone yet, <laughs> naughty, naughty, get yourself booked. This is your sign. <laughs> this is your shade. I'm throwing some shade on you right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go do it. It's worth it. Um, it will It will really help. And what I, one thing I love about it, just in, in conclusion, is that there's been some time since I've been to therapy with Dr. Christina where I was like, oh, I feel something kind of creeping back in. But I know I've, I apply what she gave me. And it gets better again. You have the um, tools. 
Yep. And the moment that it doesn't work anymore, I will be knocking on her door again. Right. <laughs> it's so nice to have somebody that's this close to me. Um, I know not all of you have that privilege. Some of you drive two or three hours, you know, to meet with a pelvic floor therapist. But again, it's worth it. If you have to do that once a month for a few months and that solves or even massively reduces your symptoms and improves your quality of life, it is worth every mile and every penny. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. we've got Absolutely. one life and we're just going to get older. So we got to deal with this stuff now before it gets harder to deal with. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and answering my questions and telling people my private business. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, I told you my private business too. So. Right, right. Pretty yeah, cool. it was awesome. All right. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye, Dr. Christina. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of fit to be radio. I hope you'll subscribe to our show and support us and our guests by clicking on the links we mentioned during the episode, which you'll find in the show notes, wherever you're listening or watching. We'd also be so grateful if this episode helped you in any way, if you take a moment to share it on social media, be sure to follow us on Instagram at fit to be studio on Facebook, fit to be tummy safe fitness and on Twitter at fit to be. And if you're looking for family friendly, affordable, tummy safe workouts to do at home, Start your membership today at fittobe.com. Thank you.